Sometimes the best stories in golf aren't found on tour. You'll find them at the back of the range. And here's your host, Ben Adelberg. Thank you again for joining me here at the back of the range. I am your host, Ben Adelberg. This is episode 39. It is a busy week for us here at the back of the range. Lots of episodes to record for you all, and that means lots of editing. So definitely staying busy. I hope you all are having a great week. I can't wait to see who actually wins the FedEx Cup this weekend, but I'm wondering, is anyone else looking past this weekend and just directly to the Ryder Cup? I'm sure we're all going to be watching the Ryder Cup with great interest. I cannot wait to see what the pairings are going to look like. Lots of fascinating possibilities. But let's get some podcast housekeeping stuff out of the way quick so we can get to this week's guest. Really excited about this episode, as I am with all of them. But don't forget, all of the episodes are available on Apple Podcasts and Spotify. And the central hub of the podcast is thebackoftherange.com. Many of you already know we are on Instagram. We're there at the Back of the Range Podcast. We're on Facebook. We're on Twitter. And if you like the podcast, I cannot stress it enough. Please share it with your friends and leave a review wherever you can. Coming up this weekend, we have the start of the 2018 U.S. Mid-Amateur Championship, which will be held at Charlotte Country Club and Carolina Country Club in North Carolina. So since we're leading into that tournament, I thought it might be a good idea to get a past champion on as a guest this week. This week's guest is Mike McCoy from West Des Moines, Iowa. Mike took some time to chat with us last week right before getting out for a practice round at Pine Valley. Yes, Mike was participating in the Crump Cup. And, you know, why shouldn't he? He's only won the event four times. And as I said earlier, he is a United States mid-amateur champion. He won it in 2013, which, of course, got him an invite to play in the 2014 Masters. And if that wasn't enough, he kept things rolling and earned a spot on the 2015 Walker Cup team as one of the most experienced amateurs to ever make the team. Yeah, I'm not allowed to call Mike old. So most experienced amateurs ever to make the Walker Cup team. If you're curious as to who else is on that team, well, Maverick McNeely, Bo Hostler, Scott Harvey, Owen, Bryson DeChambeau. So we got into that. And we also spoke about his recent trip to Scotland with his Iowa buddy, Gene Elliott. We spoke about playing in the Senior British Am and how they both qualified at different sites for the Senior British Open. So if the name Gene Elliott rings a bell, well, not only was he a guest on the back of the range earlier this year, but he just won the Senior Division at the Crumb Cup. So let's get started with this week's episode. Mike, I greatly appreciate the time. Welcome to the back of the range. It's good to be with you. Well, uh, this is great. You're not uh, you're not at home in Iowa right now. You're actually at a tournament site and pretty big tournament at a pretty important club. Why don't you tell the listeners where you're at right now? Well, this is Crump Cup week, and uh, we're at Pine Valley Golf Club in uh, New Jersey. Well, and uh, and you can just go online and get a tee time for there anytime you want to, right? <laughs> well, I can tell you, <laughs> you, you might you might need to call somebody first that. Uh, knows their way in here yeah yeah absolutely no pine valley is one of the most historic and exclusive clubs in the world and crump cup is kind of the celebration of mid-amateur and senior uh, amateur golf i would guess um, you've played in this several times i think you've won it four times is that correct that's right that's uh, right I've, I've enjoyed my time here what's the most special part of playing and before we get into your history and some of the other accomplishments that you've done especially this year we could fill up this whole episode with just your your 2018 but um, what's the most special thing about playing the Crump Cup? 
other than the course. I know the course is Pine Valley. It's historic. But once you get past that, if you can, what's the most special part of playing this tournament? It, it's somewhat of a, a throwback, I think, to maybe uh, a different era. The, the, the tournament is really, um, you know, it's, it's a match play tournament, which is unique in itself. Uh, you know, we play very little match play golf these days. And so, um, so that's nice because, you know, you – you know, you, you you get the chance to probably uh, you know you know play with some guys that you might not have otherwise known. Sure. Um, they have uh, the evenings are filled with uh, players' dinners and barbecues, and uh, so you know there's a, there's some relaxed nights, and then there's you know a, a, a pretty formal players' dinner night, which is really one of the best nights in amateur golf. And uh, uh, you usually sit next to your opponent for the next morning after the, you know, the pairings have been made after the qualifying. And, uh, uh, there's usually, uh, some nice words spoken, a few jokes told, but very special night. And then of course, uh, you know, if you're lucky enough to be playing on Sunday afternoon, they let the gates uh, open and, uh, the general public gets their opportunity to walk the golf course. So, you know, anywhere from several hundred to several thousand people show up depending on, you know, the weather and whether the Eagles are in town. Sure. And, and uh, you know, they just trail along behind you just kind of like they did in the old days and uh, no gallery ropes. And it's, um, you know, you can have a few thousand people out watching your match. So pretty neat. Well, uh, definitely need to get up there to check that out. That Sunday afternoon sounds uh, sounds like a pretty much a dream day for any golf fan that gets to see the top amateurs in the country and, and the world competing. So before we, uh, you know, just to, just to give a little bit of your resume to people listening, um, I'm working off maybe a little bit of old information here, but obviously 2013 U.S. Mid-Amateur Champion got you into the Masters in 2014. You've played in numerous U.S. Ams, numerous U.S. Mid-Ams, um, you know, Iowa Golf Hall of Famer, five-time Iowa Amateur Champion. Can you tell me the exact number as of now how many USGA championships have you played in? And let's go ahead and, and include the U.S. Senior Am this year. Do you have that number? I think it's 56. Good God. <laughs> how the hell did that happen? I mean, how, I mean well, when did you start? I, well, I, my, first, um, my first USGA championship was about the 83 public links, 82 public links. And, uh, I, you know, I, I played in a couple public links uh, while I was in college. And then I qualified for the 84 U.S. Amateur at Oak Tree. I think Scott Verplank won that year. Yep. And, and you know, then I had a little lull because I, I did, I, you know, I, you know I, obviously I started my career, but I, you know, I tried, I went, I'd gone to tour school twice. I really didn't play any pro golf back then. There was, you know, you either earn your card or you went to Asia and, right. and I, I went to work. So, um, and I really probably didn't get going, uh, much really until my thirties, you know, I kind of established my career, you know, over the next, uh, you know, five to eight years. And, and, uh, and then from there, you know, I just started qualifying. I, you know, I would qualify for, uh, an amateur and I qualify for another amateur and, you know, and then, um, Qualifying for some mid amateurs, and you know, it, it, anyway, it just kind of they rack up. They rack up. They, they do. They do. So you you mentioned you you actually have to balance your career. You're in the in, in insurance industry. Um, you know, you have all of these things that you're trying to to do with with family and with uh, with golf. 
you know, one of the challenges that a lot of amateurs face is, like you said, you know, trying to find time to practice, trying to find time to devote to the game. You know, they may say, oh, I don't have much time. I only have a day. I want to go play that day. You know, typical Saturday golfers, you know, you're an elite amateur. You're not, you're not obviously a 12 handicap, but the struggle is the, is the same. You know, what do you do to maintain your game when you have so many other commitments? You know, for the most part, I would say I've always had some kind of uh, professional help, a coach or somebody that, uh, um, you know, I would see, you know, on a fairly frequent basis. So, you know, rather than maybe play a local tournament or, you know, go out and play golf with my buddies, I'd go work with a golf pro on my game. And, and usually from those sessions, you know, I had a lot of enthusiasm to, you know, you know, continue to try and improve and work on my technique. And, um, so that kept it fresh for me, you know, and I think I've always, you know, been curious and interested and, uh, um, and so, you know, I just, uh, you know, I get a lot of enjoyment out of going out by myself in the evening and hitting some golf balls sure. or chipping and putting and, um, you know, maybe I'll play three or four holes, you know, before dark or something, but I don't, um, you know, I don't play a lot of social golf when I'm back in Des Moines, you know, most of my golf is on the road when I'm playing the tournaments. Um, but I do try to get out and hit balls and I do, uh, you know, try to keep my game sharp by, you know, working on things. Of course. Of course. So you mentioned you played in college, you played at Wichita state, um, the college experience back then compared to what it is now, um, you know, tell me a little bit about your team. Tell me, you know, maybe some fond memories of playing in college. And, and you said that you, you know, you, you didn't go that you went to tour school a couple of times, but uh, what did, what did college golf mean to you? Well, you know, I think that's when I really started to learn to play, uh, play the game. Uh, uh, you know, in Wichita, we, we were lucky. We had a university course right on campus and, you know, it wasn't, uh, it wasn't the hardest golf course, but, you know, it was right there. And I think what made it uh, such an enjoyable experience, there was just a lot of good players, uh, not just on the team, but people, alumni and some local pros. And, you know, I think at one o'clock every day, there was a golf game and, you know, we all threw up the golf balls and uh, people paired off and, you know, away we went and, uh, you know, just played a lot of golf. It didn't matter if it was windy or, uh, you know, cold, uh, you know, the game went on. And so I learned to play in some tough conditions because the wind can really blow down in Wichita. Of course. And, and then as far as college golf, you know, you know, obviously still friends with most of those guys. And, uh, you know, back then, you know, budgets weren't, weren't what they are today. And, you know, we would load up in a van, we'd, pull a U-Haul full of our clubs and suitcases and you know we'd drive as far as Monterey Mexico from Wichita to play a college oh, tournament or we'd, we'd, we'd I mean we'd take off and we'd go from uh, Wichita to Colorado Springs to um, you know Arizona and then and then back to El Paso and you know back to Wichita I mean you know you know there were times we were gone a couple weeks at a time just because you know we were driving. Sure. Give me a good Mexico story. I mean, I can't imagine what that must have been like. That I mean, what is this? Uh... Well, it would have been, uh, yeah, it would have been the late 70s. Um, oh, my goodness. Well, you know, back then things were, uh, 
things were a lot looser. Yeah, no, that's why I'm like, yeah, I don't, I don't want a story about Mexico now. You going with your like friends to Cabo or something? I want a story about Mexico and college in the '70s. That's what I want. Well, yeah, <laughs> you know, back then, um, you know, we were still. I mean, Wichita still uh, was, you know, a small, you know, I would say very, very up and coming school. We weren't uh, by any means one of America's uh, powerhouses. But sure. There was always a great tournament in Monterey, and we were always invited. And uh, but you know you had teams like Texas and BYU and uh, Oklahoma State, Oklahoma, and all these great players. Many of them who wanted, went on to have great careers on the tour. And, and uh, you know I can remember uh, we would somehow find ourselves down in the hotel bar, and, and you know guys would be drinking margaritas, and smoking cigarettes, and nice. you know. You, you just wouldn't see that today, you know, and, uh, I, you know, it, it, you know, it didn't seem to, uh, it was one of those things where, you know, you really got to know some guys uh, from around, around the country you wouldn't have met. And, uh, uh, you know, we just had a great time, uh, a great time. You left Wichita State, you did Q school for, for a couple, you tried Q school a couple of times, like you said, and then, and then went the amateur route. You know, I know you playing all these amateur tournaments, you're seeing a lot of mid-ams, you're, you're probably seeing a lot of, through the, the many tournaments you've played, and you're seeing a lot of up-and-coming uh, college players that are now on the PGA Tour. What are some of the things that, that you saw in, during your Q school that maybe is completely different than what these kids are trying to do now, whether it's, you know, playing challenge tours, whether it's the McKenzie you know, what's, what was so different about your, the route you had to take then compared to the route the kids are doing now? Well, I think there just weren't as many options. It was, uh, it was a, it was a situation where, you know, you really had to get your tour card or you had to be prepared to go to Asia. Right. There just, there wasn't a, there was no, you know, there was no middle ground. Uh, you know, they didn't have, um, you know, you know, and, and, you know, a lot of my friends did go to Asia. Um, and, um, you know, that was something I, you know, I just, elected to, uh, you know, you know, get into business. I, you know, I had, you know, I had that instinct that I wanted to do something, uh, um, something else. And, um, you know, I loved golf, but it just, you know, it just wasn't going to work out for me. And, um, so, uh, but, you know, I saw my son come up and he, he tried and, uh, you know, he was able to, um, you know, play in Canada and, and, you know, there was a little more structure around his opportunity. It, you know, it didn't work out for him, but, you know, the web, the web was certainly a path that, uh, you know, he tried to take and, uh, you know, it was very, very hyper competitive, as you know, and, um, it's definitely more organized, more structured, you know, it, it's still, it's no easier. <laughs> oh, of course not. And you're speaking about your son that, that played uh, all four years at Iowa State University. So, yeah, and, and he's done right. a lot of catting for you. And I'm going to ask you, ask you about your experience with him catting for you in the Masters in 2014. Uh, I have I have a dumb question for you, which probably won't be the last one, but it'll definitely be the first one. You know, you, you've accomplished uh, all these things and you, you, you're playing on the, whether it's the, uh, you know, the U.S. Senior Open or, or just playing with guys that you know have played professionally in the past. When you're playing these practice rounds with professionals that are on the Champions Tour, um, do they look at your life and your accomplishments and are a little bit envious of you? Or are, or, or is it vice versa? Or, you know, what are the kind of the relationships that you've you've formed in that realm? Well, I, I would say, um, you know, that, you know, they're all very nice guys. Sure. And, uh, you know, I'm certainly no, no threat to any of them because, you know, I'm, I'm 
playing just a couple of times as an amateur a year with them. And, um, but, um, I, you know, I've been, I've been pleasantly surprised at how, how, uh, uh, you know, nice they have been to me and, and the other guys that are there as well. I mean, there's sure. usually a you know, handful of amateurs. And so, um, yeah, it's fun for us to go out and play with them and, you know, you know, there's, there's no question. You start the week thinking, you know, I can play with these guys. And usually by, you know, it doesn't take long. By Thursday or Friday, you realize why they've, uh, you know, you know, they've made, uh, uh, you know, $25 million or $50 million. And they're in the Hall of Fame why, why they're out there. And, uh, uh, you know, as I say, you couldn't beat them then and you certainly can't beat them now. So. Uh, but it, it is fun and, you know, on, you know, on a given day, you know, you certainly have a good day and, uh, and, um, you know, feel like, well, this, this, you know, this, this, you know, I might've been able to hold my own. Sure. Sure. (laughs) When was the last time that you were nervous playing with someone or against someone in a tournament, not nervous about the actual event or the outcome of the match, but when's the last time you were paired with someone, whether it's a practice round or it's against someone where you're like, Oh man, I got to, uh, I got to, I got to step well, it up a little bit. Well, I, I played with VJ in the U.S. Senior Open in a practice round. VJ Singh, yeah, right. And you know, we were standing on the first tee, and he was sort of distracted by some something. He was kind of keeping his eye on a soccer game, so we didn't even really have a chance to to meet much before they called us to the tee, and you know. I was playing with a couple of other amateurs and we got up and hit good tee shots right down the middle. And BJ walked up there and yeah, still semi half distracted by, by things. And he just, you know, he launched this tee shot, you know, and it was just like something, you know, you obviously, you don't know, don't see that very often. And, sure. uh, you know, it went about 30 yards higher and about 40 yards further than all of our shots. And, but, wow, this is going to be fun. But yeah, I mean, it, it wasn't so much intimidating as maybe just, I was in, in a, you know, a little bit of awe right. at, uh, at uh, you know, how marvelous he played. Sure. Well, you, uh, I, I guess you can say that the, one of the big highlights of your amateur career was winning the U S mid-am in 2013 and as uh, just about everyone knows, the U.S. Mid-Am winner gets an invite to play in the Masters the following year. So that would be 2014. You know, that was the that was Bubba's second win. Um, just to kind of refresh everyone's memory, that's when he held off Jordan Spieth. I, I know that, you know, I've asked this question to other people. I asked it to Austin Cook earlier this year when he was getting, you know, talking about his first Masters experience. You know, we all know the typical first-time reactions about the greens and the elevation, but for, for an average fan that just hasn't been there, or maybe they have, what's one thing about the Masters experience for you that surprised you? I tell you, the whole week is choreographed, uh, you know, to the moment. Uh, it is, you know, so well run. Uh, you know, you, you wonder how this tournament, which is in theory basically put on by a club with a bunch of volunteers and, some help from some rules officials, you know, organizes this incredible global undertaking, you know, and, 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 and everything from, you know, you know, from really when you arrive to the property to, you know, when you depart, it is just, it is so carefully crafted and, um, uh, you know, it's done so well. I mean, you, you really don't have to wander around wondering what to do and how to do it. It's just, it's sort of all taken care of for you. Um, 
you know, and everybody, whether you're, you know, you're a 20 year tour veteran or a first time amateur, you know, everybody is so excited to be there and everybody. I remember on the putting green on the second day and uh, Ken Duke says, boy, I'm so happy to be here. We are going to have a lot of fun. And, uh, and, and, you know, you know, here's, here's a, here's a veteran, you know, who's been out on tour, you know, really his whole career. And, and, you know, he was just as excited as I was to get to the first tee and play. So, you know, those were the kind of things that I remember. And, uh, and of course having my son there was, you know, really special because, you know, he, he, you know, he and I had played a lot of golf together and, uh, and, uh, you know, it was a chance for us to spend a, you know, pretty special week. Of course. And, you know, not to, not to throw your son under the bus, but you were both rookies there at the masters and, you know, you, you, uh, you, I'm sure you made rookie mistakes on the course. Uh, you ended up missing the cut, which, you know, un- unfortunately seems to be commonplace for the, for the mid-am champions. I think only Stuart Hagestad is the only mid-am that made the cut there. Um, That's right. So, uh, give me a rookie mistake that your son made on the bag that week. <laughs> well, he, uh, <laughs> he, there, no question, he was feeling more stressed than I. I was. would imagine, yeah, I, I, yeah, of course. And uh, you know, I, um, I hit some, I hit, hit, you know, I hit a couple shots in some bunkers around the green, sure. and, and you know, they have a very, you know, strict. Uh, protocol of how they want those bunkers uh, raked and sure. so he's a, he's a pretty um uh you know he's pretty dependable and he's uh facetious about doing things the right way so he you know uh, he, he never quite caught up to me when <laughs> i'd look back and he'd be back there smoothing things out and i was kind of on my own getting the ball playing and getting a read because he wasn't going to leave that bunker any, anything but perfect so uh, so those were, you know, those were fun, fun memories. And, uh, uh, I remember we were walking up the 36th hole and I was playing with Larry, Larry Mize and, you know, who, who's absolutely the finest guy you could ever be paired with. I mean, he's just, you know, he's absolutely a perfect gentleman. And, uh, and of course watching him play, you know, here he is in his fifties playing Augusta. And, you know, obviously you, you know, you remember his win and, sure. um, uh, you know, he just was uh, magical around those greens, and uh, and here he was. We were walking up 18, and he's you know, he's kind of right on the line to make the cut, and and uh, and, and as we're walking up the the fairway, Nate looks at him and says, "Boy, this has sure been a lot of fun, Mister Mize." And he goes, "Yes, it has, Nate." And, so, and I, in my mind, I know he's grinding, you know, to make four on 18 and right. make the cut, and. and uh, but he was just, you know, I, you know, I knew he was genuinely, uh, you know, you, you know, he was uh, just, just had enjoyed the experience so much. And uh, anyway, Larry did go on to make par, made the cut, so I felt pretty, I was pretty excited for him, and it was nice to, you know, watch him be able to do that. And you know, here he was in his, uh, you know, in his uh, early to mid fifties, so sure, pretty, pretty impressive. And you, um, you know, you, you played your first two rounds with uh, with as you said larry mize the 87 champ i think everyone remembers the chip in and on the in the playoff on 11 you played with brandon grace uh you had um practice rounds with i think uh was it justin rose and then your uh, your iowa buddy uh, zach johnson that's right that's right so uh so tell me a little bit about uh you know playing a practice round and then playing a competitive round with masters champions 
I'm sure you're getting more from them than you are from the, no disrespect, but you're getting more from them, I would imagine, than, than Brandon Grace and Justin Rose. Are they are they just sharing their knowledge of the club? I mean, it's almost like they're ambassadors of the club because they're just so proud to be there as Masters champions. Uh, no question. I mean, you know, they, they um, you know, uh, you know, obviously a lot of everybody recognizes them and, uh, you know, and they and they try to be helpful. Um, but, you know, you've played it, you know, I've played it five or six times leading up to that. And so, you know, you kind of have a feel for it and. Um, and you really don't, honestly, you know, you think you do, but you don't. And, and, right. you know, it's amazing. You know, the golf course changes so much from, um, uh, you know, Monday and Tuesday and Wednesday to Thursday. I mean, Thursday, all of a sudden you kind of have the same little chip shot you had, but all of a sudden, you know, it lands a little firmer, it runs a little further out, you know, instead of a three footer, you got a seven or eight footer and you think, wow, how did that happen? You're chipping it uphill. And <laughs> yeah. But. But so things change, but, uh, uh, no, they, you know, they were, they were terrific and, you know, they were there and, you know, the closer we got to the tournament, you could definitely see them dialing it in a little more and, uh, people were getting a little, uh, a little more serious about, uh, their approach. And, uh, you know, by, by Wednesday, you know, it was everybody kind of were getting their game faces on. Yeah. So you, you play the, you, you know, one of the perks of, of, Winning the U.S. Mid-Am, you get to play in the uh, the Masters in 2014 like we just spoke about. But the other thing that, that happened is when you won that U.S. Mid-Am, that really puts you on a track to potentially play uh, on the Walker Cup team in 2015, which you did. You were one of the, um, let's not say oldest, you were one of the most seasoned amateurs in history to play on the Walker Cup team. I hope that sounds good. Um, so I guess I'm just curious. You know, it's a long process to get to that 2015 team. There's just all these college players, um, you know, and, and mid-ams that, you know, like the, the Scott Harveys and and all of the other, uh, you know, the Nathan Smiths. You know, did you have a conscious process to put yourself in the best position to make that team in 2015 after you won the U.S. Mid in, in 13? Yeah, for sure. I mean, that was, uh, you know, it's clearly one of my goals. I, I you know, I was very fortunate, uh, you know, Fairly early on in my amateur career, by playing, you know, some of the USGA events, I, you know, as time went on, I got acquainted with guys like John Harris from Minnesota, who went on to win an amateur and playing on a number of Walker Cup teams. Buddy Marucci, Jay Siegel, uh, you know, these these iconic uh, career amateurs, and um, and so you know, I you know, I paid a lot of attention to that, and obviously, I saw how important it was to them. And, you know, how hard they uh, fought to make those teams. And, uh, you know, and it really became something I wanted to do. You know, you, know, I, you, know, you could tell there was that, you know, there was, there was a special bond between those, uh, those guys who had played on teams together. And, and, you know, and I was, you know, doing everything I could to get good enough to play. And I was, you know, I was playing all the tournaments. You know, I really played active schedules, you know, and I really played hard all through my forties, you yeah. know, just trying to catch that lightning in the bottle and, and, you know, win a USGA event or, you know, just have, have that magical run somewhere that, you know, is really what you need. And, uh, um, you know, it's just, it's hard to, you know, it's just, it's hard to win. And, uh, and of course, you know, when that happened, you know, you know, the thought of, slowing down then you know it really was just now now it was time to hit the gas yeah absolutely because you know i've been waiting for this and 
you know, obviously I thought it, I wish it would have happened when I was 40 instead of, you know, 51. And, but, uh, it, that's when it happened. And so I just, you know, I really doubled down and, uh, you know, just re really committed myself, uh, over that next couple of years to playing, um, you know, the best golf I could possibly play. And I wanted to play as often as I could to, uh, you know, kind of, uh, give, give myself the opportunity and, and let the selection committee see how important it was to me that, uh, you know, I wasn't afraid to have a bad term. If I was going to a site that, you know, maybe didn't suit me as well. I still wanted to go there. I wanted to, you know, I wanted to compete. Sure. And so I played a lot of, you know, I played a lot of uh, competitive golf over a couple year period and, and, um, you know, and I, and I really played some great mid-end golf during that time as well. You know, I, I won the Crump Cup, I won the Coleman, uh, I had won, you know, the Lupton. So, you know, I was on a good roll. I mean, I felt like, you know, from the mid-end standpoint, you know, I was definitely, you know, at that time, you know, certainly, you know, I, you know, almost at the top of the list, but not every week, but, but, you know, I was competitive every week. And so, um, you know, and I was just, you know, I was very fortunate to, to make the team and, you know, certainly be, you know, and why we didn't win, it was, it was certainly one of those great experiences that, uh, you know, I guess I had no regrets, you know, I, I, you know, I spent so many years trying to achieve that. It, it really was everything, you know, you hoped it would be. And, um, it comes and goes very quickly, but, uh, you know, certainly those memories are still with me. Yeah. And, you know, the, the Walker cup in 2015 was at, uh, Lytham and St. Anne's. So you have these young hotshots on this team. You got Maverick McNeely, you got Bo Hostler, and and then Bryson DeChambeau, which is in, on everyone's mind right now, just with the incredible run he's made to uh, to get himself onto the Ryder Cup team. You know, were there things that you saw out of those three guys, or maybe uh, some of the things you saw of the younger players that really jumped out at you in in comparison, maybe with with the other guys on the team or the other guys on the on the GB and I team. Um, just curious if one of those one of those players really jumped out at you way but you know back then you know three years ago that said wow this guy's going to be something you know really honestly at the time you know you thought all of them were going to sure. you know be superstars and they're all you know and, and, and you know virtually all of them are doing great i mean scott harvey went on to win another mid-am and um you know uh, you know you look at uh what bryson's done it's just you know remarkable and uh you know, obviously the thing, you know, I remember is how strong they all were and, uh, you know, how poised they were, you know, their, their golf games were, you know, they were, they were certainly, uh, as good as any golf professional you'll ever see. And of course, you know, it's evidenced by the fact they all went out there and uh, gained status and, you know, in the case of Bo and, and, uh, Bryson and Denny McCarthy, I mean, they went right out on the tour and, uh, you know, there was no, there was no uh, stop in between. I mean, they were, they were just played their way right out there. And uh, they're just, you know, very, very, you just didn't see any weaknesses in any of their games. Sure. And I think the thing that stood out to me is really how intelligent those kids were. I mean, you know, they were all really smart kids, you know, and I, I, I you know, I was, I was very impressed by, um, you know, they, you know, they were, they were, you know, school had started, we were playing in the fall and, you know, here we are running around the world. I mean, we were, you know, traveling and playing practice rounds and, you know, these kids had their book bags open and, and, uh, 
you know, they just, you know, they were taking care of their school and, and, uh, helping each other out. It was fun to see. I mean, you know, uh, Maverick was helping somebody with their Spanish and Bryson was helping somebody with their math. And I'm thinking, <laughs> wow, you know, Scott Harvey and I was sitting back there. Saying, yeah. It was a pretty elite <laughs> study hall you got going on there. Now, oh my I, goodness. And it actually, actually leads me to this other question. You know, normally it's on, on teams like this or in any situation, you know, the veterans would kind of haze the rookies. Um, right. But you were the old guy on this team full of a bunch of collegiate stars. I mean, you mentioned Scott Harvey, you know, mid am champ, but for the most part, um, you got a bunch of kids. Uh, did 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 they kind of haze the old guys during this week? I, I mean, you got to give me one story about them, like showing you something on their phone. And you're like, yeah, I don't know what that is. So, <laughs> well, you know, we had a practice session in Latrobe, and that was one of the you know the great. We got to spend two or three days up there, and and of course, Mr. Palmer was was uh, was was our host and we got to have breakfast lunch dinner and we did our you know our, our uniform fittings there and sure we had the chance to play some golf and he came out and watched us but one of the, one of the things they did and, and this was a pretty neat idea by the captain uh, spider Miller you know he, he had uh, he had a nickname obviously spider wasn't his, his given name and so uh, he said I've had a nickname my whole life and I'm gonna give every one of you a nickname and so it, it, it kind of, um, uh, you know, worked its way around. And, and you know, I think it, it, it turned out, you know, I became Uncle Mike to all these guys. So <laughs> to, to this day, I'll get a, I'll get a uh, text from, you know, the guys. Hey, Uncle Mike, how you doing? And, uh, you know, it's kind of, uh, you know, it's endearing. And uh, uh, in, in Scott Harvey's case, uh, you know, he became known as the sweet swinger swinger scott harvey so anyway when i see him i say hey swinger how you doing and so nice. you know that was that was something fun that came out of it and uh we still um you know we still um use our nicknames that uh, we gave each other on that trip all right i gotta ask what's bryson's nickname <laughs> this was bill nye oh you know, my god man. that's perfect <laughs> oh that's so, so perfect yeah I will tell you a funny story about Bryson. That's what we do here. Go ahead. Uh, well, we were we were uh, at Lithams, and they had a you know kind of an opening cocktail party where the club um, uh, was you know all the members of the club. It was kind of a private event just for the members, and they gave us all a you know pair of cufflinks and introduced us to their membership. And, sure. And uh, you know, uh, Captain Miller said, "Why don't we just you know take thirty minutes and let's stick around and shake some hands and meet." some of the people and then we'll get out of here and get back to the hotel. So, so after they, you know, completed the, you know, sort of the formal part of the evening, we, we, you know, we stayed and visited as, as did the GBNI team. And I had met this, uh, you know, distinguished guy who was, uh, you know, sitting towards the front and we were visiting and he was, uh, uh, you know, he was, he was a part of the RNA and he was there kind of as their guest and, and, uh, I asked him what his profession was, and he said he was a physics teacher at St. Andrews University. Oh, wow. And I said, well, we, we've got a physics uh, student on our team. <laughs> I said, so I went over and grabbed that advice and I said, come on over here. you got to meet this guy. And so, uh, you know, they, you know, they, I introduced him, and, and Bryson started kind of, you know, he was, you know, asking him what was he studying, you know, what was he focused on, what was he working on, and he described it in some, you know, scientific manner and, and, you know, a lot of, a lot of, uh, 
certainly a jargon I wasn't I wasn't used to. And, sure. And uh, you know, it had something to do with a laser technology and. And Bryson looks at me. And he's not talking about Bushnell. He's not talking about Bushnell laser. That's that's the only laser I really know. So go ahead. I'm sorry. And so, you know, and and I know at at that point, you know, Bryson understands pretty much everything he's saying. And he looks at me and I know he feels bad for me because I don't have have the first idea what they're talking about. And he looks at me and he says, this pulsating technology he's talking about, it's like peeking through a pinhole through a wall, like trying to look through a wall through a very teeny pinhole. And the professor looked at him and says, that's an excellent analogy. And I said, okay, this guy's for real. <laughs> anyway, there was no, you know, there was no uh, BS there. I think he, he sort of, that, at that moment, I knew, he knew what he was talking about. Nice. So, that's a great so. story. No, that's awesome. Um, well, we can, we can go for a long, long time, but I want to get to a couple other things before I, before I let you go. Um, this year, you know, you're big in Iowa golf. You're a 2011 hall of fame inductee, uh, just one year before Gene Elliott, who is a previous guest on the podcast. He got in in 2012. You guys are really good friends. I know you've won. We're not going to go through all the four balls. You two guys have won. Cause, uh, you know, I'll, I'll run out of room on the hard drive here to record all that, but, uh, you guys have done a lot in Iowa. This year, you embarked on a trip to Scotland. You know, brought brought the wives and and did a. Um, gosh, you 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 both went over to attempt to qualify for the Senior Open Championship, which was held in St Andrews. Um, kind of tell me, you know, how did it, that idea come to pass? How did you guys put that whole thing together? Well, you know, it was St Andrews, and so you know that that in itself is is. Uh, you know, something you'd like to, you know, do someday. And uh, uh, it, it happened to be the year I turned 55 and I said, why don't we go, why don't we go do it? And, and you know, and then from there, you know, it just so happened that the British senior amateur backs right up to that. And so, you know, it was a chance to, to play two tournaments. And, um, you know, I said, well, I said, I guess if we don't make it, you know, if we don't qualify for the the open we can you know there's a lot of great golf there we'll go play some golf for a couple of days and sure. then, you know work work our way to wales but uh you know as it happened uh you know we both um you know we got over there a couple of days early and we were at different assigned to different qualifying sites and so we really didn't see much of each other um but on the you know the, the monday of the open week we qualified and uh you know we both had good days and uh you know, but that being the case, you know, we both played early enough in the day. We kind of had to sit there and sweat it out all day. Yeah. You know, we were texting back and forth and, you know, just how you doing? How's it looking? And, and uh, so anyway, it was a big thrill for both of us to get in. And uh, I guess it made the made it the perfect trip. Um, you know, so we had we had a wonderful, wonderful time, <clears throat> really both weeks. That's great. Yeah, you both got into the Senior Open, both played the, the British Am or a British senior am some of the things. Uh, so there's tons of stuff to do. What are, what are some of the, the, what's the most fun you had in St. Andrews, not on a golf course? Uh, you know, we had a very, very nice, uh, lunch at the RNA and, uh, you know, that was, uh, that was a, a lot of fun. And so we get, we, we did get to spend some time inside the RNA. That was a lot of fun. We actually stayed in a very nice, uh, bed and breakfast, uh, with, uh, uh, you know, a, a couple that, uh, they do golf excursions. And so they were, and, and he was a, he 
He's a good player in his own right. And so, you know, we, uh, we enjoyed, um, we enjoyed uh, being with them. Uh, they took us to some local restaurants. Uh, uh, you know, we played their local course and, you know, just, just had a very relaxing, you know, just a very relaxing trip. It sure. was, it was terrific. And, uh, and of course, you know, just honestly, uh, you know, when I wasn't playing, I went out and watched some of these guys play. I, I went out and followed Freddie Couples play four or five holes. And, you know, it's, um, it, you know, it's just, it's fun for me to watch these guys, uh, you know, in the same setting I was trying to play and, and see how they did it. And, so th- those were the things we had. A, we had a lot of fun. We, we did have a lot of fun. Sure. Well, um, before I let you go, we just have a little segment here at the back of the range called the quick bucket, just kind of really quick questions. And then uh, we'll, we'll get you out of here. So um, what's the first set of golf clubs that you ever owned? Wilson staff. Last time you purchased uh, gloves or balls or tees. Boy, it's been it's been a while. <laughs> okay, what's uh, what's the last time you received like a golf shirt or some golf equipment as like a birthday present or a Christmas present? Uh, when's the last time you got a, got a, something golf related as a present? Oh, that happens about every Christmas. Somebody gives me uh, you know uh, <laughs> uh, a golf shirt or uh, you know because that's what you need, right? Polo. Exactly. Yeah, exactly. Um, So for amateurs that are playing, you know, sometimes when you play these amateur tournaments, you get little pro shop credits for finishing. And obviously we can't take cash. What's your go-to move when you get a pro shop credit? What are your tips and tricks for amateurs? How do you spend that? You know, my wife likes to play golf, so I kind of go to the ladies department. Brilliant. She's got got more uh, ladies gear from some of the great clubs all over the world. And uh, she's She's definitely logoed out when uh, you are a when she brilliant goes place. You are a brilliant man, aren't you? Wow, that is that is a that's a next level move right there. Let's see. Uh, one thing I we'll, we'll finish up with is you know we had I mentioned earlier we had Gene Elliott on uh, on the podcast earlier this year. He did give us a good Mike McCoy story. Um, so I'm going to let you return the favor. Give me a good Gene Elliott story. Oh my goodness! Well, Gene's absolutely you know one of the you know, first of all, he's just one of the best guys you could ever, ever meet. Uh, he's, he's, you know, been a true friend uh, through, through a lot of, uh, through many decades. You know, we've known each other since high school and we've traveled all over the world. We've played golf, we've been partners, but, uh, you know, it, it, you know, when you spend that much time, you, you know, you obviously things happen and, sure. uh, and you, you know, you really get to know and, and, uh, you know, know somebody and, uh, you know, he's been a, you know, he's been a traveling salesman. He worked for his family's business and, you know, he put, you know, Gene would put a hundred thousand miles on the car, you know, driving around calling on people. And so, you know, as technology in these cars changed, you know, you get GPS and, you know, it drives you right to where you're going to go. And, uh, and, uh, but Gene's always been a big map guy, you know, he's got maps laid out all over his car and, you know, you know, he's got the, you know, he's driving, you know, brand new car with, you know, modern navigation system. He doesn't even know how to turn it on. So he's got, he's got these atlases and maps. And <laughs> anyway, same thing happened when we were in, uh, we were in Scotland. Uh, we went over to play in a, uh, in a British amateur. And, uh, and of course we had some time, uh, you know, before the tournament. So we were driving around playing some of the other, other courses. And, uh, of course it's, you know, the weather can be awful and, you know, Gene's a good driver, and he, he, he does not let me drive when we're traveling. Okay. 
<laughs> I'm a little distracted. But anyway, we happened and Gene hit the curb, you know, in one of the roundabouts, which, which happens frequently over there. I've done it a number of times myself. And we, um, you know, we uh, blew a tire and it's pouring rain and we're in the middle of nowhere, absolutely middle of nowhere. And <laughs> so we get out, we put on our rain gear. I get the umbrella, and I'm holding the umbrella above Gene. He's trying to change the tire because, <laughs> you know, he owns a, he owns a, uh, a garage operation. Sure. I he knows, he knows I don't know how to change the tire. I figured this guy. So, you know, and the lug nuts were on there so tight we couldn't get them off. And I, I said, well, I'll, I'll head into town. So I, I take off walking, and, you know, I get probably, a, you know, a quarter mile down the road, and he somehow would pop one of the lug nuts off. And, and uh, you know th those are the kind of you know it was just it was a it was a classic picture of Gene down there working and I was holding the umbrella over right. his head like you're like you're okay so the the so we know who's Thelma and we know who is Louise is what you're saying there, that's exactly right there you that's go. exactly right but he's he's the best he's he's a great player but he's a better person and uh, you know we've just had you know we've had uh, more experiences in fact we were. Um, you know, last night we were sitting at the Phillies game. Uh, you know, we'd flown in last night sure. went to a baseball game with a couple friends. And, you know, we just said, boy, we're awful lucky. You know, here we are, you know, getting to do this one more time. And um, so, you know, we do count our blessings. Absolutely. Well, um, Mike, really, really do appreciate the time, especially since you're, you're about ready to head out for a practice round at the Crump Cup uh, at, at Pine Valley. Really appreciate you taking the time to join us here at the back of the range. Good luck the rest of uh, this year. I know we didn't hit on your, your senior amateur uh, experience this year in Oregon, but congrats as a semifinalist. Um, congrats on all your success this year and the years to come. And uh, hopefully we do it again sometime soon. Well, thank you. It was, it was fun being with you. And there you have it. Another great episode here at the back of the range. Special thanks to Mike McCoy for joining us this week. We're going to do it again next week. We'll see you right here at the back of the range.